0: I was like, oh, we're going to play three at the back. This is definitely going to happen. You're like, oh, this is not Whatever. what happened. You would have you said, said, you said, you would have said, you oh, would we'll, we'll three at the back no. suit us? In fairness, I would have said, well, Kenny's never played three at the back. No, it will never, happen. never,
1: never, never. OTB
2: AM live weekday mornings from seven thirty on the OTB Sports app.
1: The news round on off the ball with
2: Gillette for an
1: effortless
0: finish to your day. New Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar. This is news talk.
2: Alright, you're welcome along. It's Thursday's Off The Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock this evening. We've got John Giles coming up at half past seven, wrapping up the week on the Republic of Ireland. He'll be giving his thoughts on the performances of Stephen Kenny's side. After eight, John Myler will be looking ahead to the league hurling final Saturday evening. Turles, big crowd expected for Cork against Waterford, obviously keeping a very close eye on the Cork side. They got so close to an All-Ireland final back in 2018 under John Myler. So that's coming up after 8 o'clock. And then on the football show, Jonathan Wilson will be joining us. The draw for the 2022 World Cup Finals takes place tomorrow. There's a FIFA Congress ongoing in Qatar. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the week that was in terms of the qualifiers and some of the sides that missed out, uh, particularly in Africa. It was a very dramatic evening on Tuesday and a whole lot more to come over the next three hours. We'd love your text. 53106 is the number or you can get in touch on social media on ad off the ball just follow any of our accounts and send us a message uh joe malloy should be with us evening joe
0: nathan how are you
2: i'm all right richie mccormick good evening nathan how are you thanks for giving us the night off last night richie you it was tough well, you know oh, it was tough. We were, that right. way. we were doing um important work really really important work last night were well, you doing
1: golf geekly stuff were you
2: Listen, uh, we we may have had to go down to K Golf World at the K Club and play what? the back nine of Augusta, and then play the seventeenth at Sawgrass. But we were doing it in the name of our good Golf Weekly subscribers. They we, we just had to we just had to get down there and, and meet and greet. You know how it is.
1: Oh no! So you right okay? Like last night's show was good. Uh, like I don't, obviously don't think tonight will compete with it. Um, but here was me thinking that I was doing it for altruistic reasons. And for, you know, someone was sick or someone had, had caught the rona and, and was out and had their feet laid up for a, a few days. But um, there you were, messing around in a, a stimulator. That's that's lovely. I'm,
2: sorry, I'm that's not really sure really it's a lovely. stimulator.
1: Though, Simulator.
2: Well, I thought you said a stimulator. Though they could what call are, it a stimulator. I'll tell you, when you're playing the back nine of Augusta, it does oh, feel a bit like a stimulator.
1: Good. Listen to yourself, man. Is this how you envisaged your life when you were like <laughs> 17, 18?
2: Is it? Is this, really? Is this, is, Richie, is this how any of us imagined our lives when we were seven? Can I just
1: put my hands up and say no? 100% not. Uh, but even still, man, uh, come on, have a little bit of pride. We were sick with the golf bug, Richie. We were <laughs> sick, all right. Uh, do you
0: know what struck me actually, Nathan? I was just thinking about it. I meant to say it to you. So uh, Peter, Laurie, Gary Murphy were there, regulars in the pod, as you know, Richie as well. And the lads walk in, like Gary's 50 this year. Peter is forty-eight. They strolling now. They just look like your typical Irish middle-aged men. <laughs> just strolling. In. We're all standing around. We're all chatting. Very laid back. Um, Peter, in particular, never like strikes me as um, somebody who was that sporty. You know, just doesn't have the look of uh, somebody who's that that sporty. You know, he's like tall, a little bit maybe long-limbed, gangly kind of whatever. And it's amazing. We do the golf simulator, me, Nathan and Peter and Gary were playing the back nine at Augusta on the simulator, at golf world. And as soon as each of them stand up to the ball, it's like they're transformed. It's genuinely like they are 15 years younger than they are. And they go from just standing around like the rest of us. You wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't stand out to like their whole body has this kind of intent over the ball. And then the golf swings are just incredible. Like Peter's in particular, backswing. is just beautiful. He's got these like high hands. He's like Justin Thomas. It's the most elegant, the most elegant backswing. And we slag Peter all the time in the podcast and he's disparaging of his own game. And then you watch him hit balls last night and it was so impressive. And I found myself, I mean, after he had a few shots and we're, we're waiting around, I found myself like looking at him, like not, not suddenly like starstruck by Peter Laurie, but just like just like reappraising him. Because I've just seen him on Zoom for the last 18 months, two years, just, you know, his head and we're slagging him and we're messing. I was just kind of like "On, jeez, you're like this world-class athlete in your own way. And I've kind of, I, I, you forget that about you, you know? Um, it's like they suddenly became kind of superheroes of a sort, Nathan, and uh, led to some fairly uh, painful reflections on our own golf game <laughs> when you hit shots after them. Because man, the big 30-yard right-to-left shot that we call a draw Turns out that's a hook. Their draws are like three yards right to left. So it was just very impressive, the two of them. I was like, my God, the
2: talent. It it was a very quick reminder of exactly that, just how good they were, because maybe at times you can take it for granted. Like, Mm. Peter Laurie was the European Tour's rookie of the year. Like, that's how good a golfer he was. He was in not even the top 1%, like the top 0.1%. Gary spent years and years out on tour keeping his card like going close to winning tournaments, playing in major championships. And there's not a lesson in it in terms of how to play the game now, but you think the effort that we put into trying to hit the ball far, and here they are both nearing 50 and just casually stepping up and smashing a shot down, 260, 270, 280 yards. It felt like no strain on the body whatsoever. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's incredible to see it up close that even still just how good they are and we may see it again because you know 50 you can go play seniors tour golf if uh, you're into that sort of thing and I think both of them may just have that little bit of a bug there that they might give it a go yeah
0: yeah, I think so but, uh yeah
2: we, but did, we did a great night uh, we were I know it was great we were down and we, uh, now we did pull a fast one back. well I won't say we pulled a fast one back in November we were due to do this night for the Golf Weekly listeners back in November but it was at the height of COVID and we had to pull it. Probably, what, 24 hours beforehand? Uh, just, you know, it's an enclosed space. Probably not the best spot to have 25 people at that stage. Uh, obviously, myself and Joe and Fionn went down anyways uh, that night and spent about five hours there. So uh, we were back for a second time. So uh, uh, we've got a competition, actually, on the podcast this week where you can win an opportunity to go down and stay in the uh, K Club and all of that. So all you got to do is get on to uh, otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly. Maybe you'll join us sometime, Richie.
1: I'm looking forward to my day in Lou for it, Nathan. Certainly am. <laughs> Uh, what you got for us this
2: evening, Richie?
1: Uh, we actually, I feel guilty for starting with golf after all that nonsense. But yeah, we do start with golf. The Chevron Championship is underway. The first women's major of the year. Leona Maguire is eight holes from home. She is currently two under par. And she is three shots off the current leader Australia's Min G Lee. Uh, Stephanie Meadow doesn't tee off until half past eight Irish time. It's also the opening day of the Valero Texas Open really Kind of wild day for Rory McIlroy. Pretty much as many bogeys as he has birdies almost. Rory McIlroy currently uh, one under par. He's playing the last, uh, which is actually the ninth hole. He started on the 10th there today. Uh, well, Graham McDowell has played 1-18 and he's also playing the last tonight. He is two over par. Russell Knox is the clubhouse leader. The Scott shot a 65 today and is seven under par. It's a mark he's been joined on, on out on course by Desmar- Denmark's Rasmus Hoygard. Also on 7-under par, they in turn her two clear of the likes of Matt Kuchar and Luke List.
2: Uh, Rory has all sorts of ways of preparing for the Masters. And remember, this night, next week, the Masters is going to be underway and we'll be getting excited about Rory potentially joining the most illustrious list in golf as a Grand Slam winner. Uh, but sometimes he likes to play a lot of golf in the build-up to a major. Sometimes he likes to take weeks off. Uh, he skipped the match play, which is the easiest money you can win all year. Last week, decided to go and playing Texas and felt that this is the best way but especially with Tiger back potentially it feels as though in all the years that Rory's been chasing the career grand slam that this has been the most low key Joe
0: Yeah I think you're right and probably because expectation isn't that high either you know as Richie mentioned there so many bogeys today so many birdies as well you just can't get away with the kind of mistakes he's in the habit now of making for far too long and so I don't think this year, based on his form, which isn't terrible, we should stress, and he could have easily won in the Middle East. But I would say of, of any of the last six, seven years where he's been going for the career Grand Slam, I'd say expectation is at its coolest this time around. Most people you speak to are not expecting Rory to do something here. Now, of course, he's Rory McElroy, so he could surprise us very quickly and get off to a gallop and lead from the front. His last three years at Augusta have been his poorest of uh, the last decade or so. And I guess it's hard to know what to expect from him at this stage. But we're back to some of the same fundamentals, uh, Nathan. The big three for me, the pudding, he needs to have a better pudding week than he's liable to have. The wedge game has not improved. That's the biggest concern for me. The wedge game has not improved and Augusta is all about precision. And then thirdly, this is less of a concrete point and just more of a personal observation, I think increasingly he's struggling to play his best golf when the pressure is on, and I think that's a more recent phenomenon, but obviously the pressure is going to be on at Augusta, so I don't hold out um, huge hope from this year, whereas in previous years I would have felt he had a great chance.
2: Well, exactly, and listen, maybe that is somehow going to come together for McIlroy, that expectation is low, and I think it's the one thing you always said about McIlroy, he was the best driver out there, and the stats don't back that up at all now, and while he played well in Dubai, he has done little or nothing since he got to America in the warm-up tournament. So unless he can find something over the next couple of days, uh, he probably isn't going to be among too many people's picks. But again, all he got to do is win that, and we look back at his entire career in a very different way. And anyways, we should be talking more about Leona Maguire this week because it is the first major on the LPGA, and she's made a decent start. And if we're talking about the most likely Irish major winner on tour this year, Leona Maguire is probably it.
0: Yeah, so really interested to see how she goes. She's just been trending in all the right kind of ways over the last year in particular. And the next natural step for her after winning on the LPGA Tour is to challenge for a major. Let's not put too much pressure on her and say she should win. But if she was to really be in the mix on a Sunday, that would be incredibly exciting. This is going to be on Sky Sports more so than the Texas Open all week. And I suppose the other story, just to take a broader view for a moment, is Jin Young Ko, who's the world number one, hasn't finished outside the top 10 since last July. And she's won five times since July as well, six of her last 11 events. So she's utterly dominant. There's no Nellie Corder there. She's a blood clot. So she's been having treatment for um, that. So yeah, Leon Maguire absolutely will be watching. But uh, Jin Young-Ko, the world number one, is the big story this week. She's talking about winning the Grand Slam this year, <laughs> which is. Um, Confident, Nathan.
2: Sure is. Uh, Leona Maguire playing with Jessica Corda this week, and every interview she ever does, you get the sense Leona Maguire just wants to take down the two Cordas at every possible opportunity. So it's a a nice pairing for her as well over the first couple of rounds. The news round brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Where are we going next, Richie?
1: Uh, We will go to the Women's Six Nations. Ireland head coach Greg McWilliams naming an unchanged starting 15 for Saturday's Women's Six Nations game away to France. Blackrock's Christy Haney could earn a first cap off the bench in Toulouse. While McWilliams has made minimal changes, his French counterpart, Annie Cairo, has taken the opposite approach. She's made seven switches from last week's win over Italy three in the pack, four among the backs. France may be strong favourites for Saturday's game, but McWilliams says the result won't derail their progress.
2: No, unfortunately, uh, the clip isn't working of Greg Mark Williams at the moment. But uh, yesterday we did the Six Nations show and we got a full preview of the match and obviously an unchanged squad there as well. Uh, Coming up on the football show, by the way, Jonathan Wilson is going to be talking to us. The World Cup draw is on tomorrow and we look on somewhat enviously, I think, of the footballing side of things. I made the point to Jonathan that maybe if there was a World Cup to miss... Uh, that this was the one in Qatar. There is Congress taking place at the moment as well, and it's been fascinating following it throughout the day. So, the Norwegian Football Federation president, uh, Lisa Klavness, uh, upset the consensus at congress where she was extremely critical of qatar and fifa's role in the awarding of the world cup to qatar saying in 2010 world cups were awarded in unacceptable ways with unacceptable consequences human rights equality uh, were not cared for democracy the core interests of football weren't in the starting 11 these basic rights were pressured onto the field as substitutes fifa has addressed these issues but there is still a long way to go made up uh, and talked about uh, migrant workers and the families of those who died that they need to be cared for. There should be no room when it comes to hosting World Cups for employers that don't secure the safety of workers, no room for hosts who cannot host the women game, who cannot legally guarantee the safety and respect of the LGBTQ community. So really powerful stuff, which was followed straight away by the General Secretary of the Honduran FA, Jose Ernesto Mechia, who said it wasn't the right forum or the right moment to make such remarks, which obviously begs the question, when is the right moment, or uh, to make such remarks. And then the Secretary-General of the Delivery Committee, Hassan El-Tawadi, uh, defended what Qatar has been doing, saying 12 years of continuous work and ended by saying that the President of the Norwegian FA, uh, Lisa Klavness should educate herself on what's going on in Qatar. Uh, Jonathan Wilson made a good point when we were recording him earlier, Joe, that even from a basic PR point of view, you would have expected that Qatar were ready for these sort of statements, these sort of questions. Uh, But what Garth Southgate said, which was rather tame earlier in the week about Qatar, what's been said today, they're coming out fighting and aren't going to be taking any criticism at all, it seems, between now and December.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not really surprised at that. I mean... If politics of late has taught us anything, it's that it's quite effective to argue the case even when you're fairly obviously lying and just muddy the waters to such an extent that you create some doubt in the minds of anybody who's listening to these arguments. It's been very dispiriting, the whole experience, to watch, one, the outright corruption, which has been well documented involved in uh, securing this coming World Cup and the last World Cup, just outright corruption which, like I said, is bad enough in and of itself. But then the human rights issue emerged very quickly. The workers' rights issue emerged very quickly. It was covered extensively in the media and it seemed all to no great avail, no great improvement. And we've just trundled on for the last however many years. I've been doing pieces on Qatar workers' rights for at least five, six, seven years. Least, The Guardian doing big pieces. And the improvements have only been marginal and there's been you know, outrageous claims on the Qatari's part about the number of deaths—like really outrageous claims—and FIFA have done very little. You know, and it's all because, uh, frankly, there's money to be made. So the whole experience has been very distasteful, and um, I don't really—I don't really know what, uh, yeah, like, FIFA have learned from the whole thing. You know, I, I really wouldn't have any really wouldn't have any great faith that we wouldn't see the whole thing repeated again in the next eight years somehow.
2: No, they'll find a way to find the money, which is the number one target for FIFA. Uh, Richie, you've news on on Congress and uh, Gianni Infantino is going to be around for quite a while, it seems. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, the FIFA president has confirmed he will stand for re-election at next year's Congress. He has been in the role since 2016 after succeeding Sepp Blatter, who was impeached, of course, at the time. 52-year-old Infantino previously served as UEFA's secretary general before moving to world football's governing body. As you mentioned there, the president of the Norwegian FA used Congress to deliver a withering attack on FIFA. Lisa Clavinus raised the issue of migrant worker deaths and human rights abuses in Qatar ahead of tomorrow's draw for the finals. Norway have been at the forefront of protests against the tournament being staged there, and Clavanagh says that energy must be used by FIFA when assessing future bids.
2: I think, like everything else, you know, we had really good support from Dave Nusafora, from the likes of Paul O'Connell, and uh, John Fogarty, who helped out my coaches and did a lot of work no, in our prep sorry, as well, so to having have them, their support is great. Having a couple of technical issues at the moment with the Clips, that is obviously not... Um, the clip that Richie wanted to play so we might just but leave if we, them if
0: we, if we play them all that was Greg and Williams if we just if we just keep going and we know <laughs> we will get the there eventually it's, it's like that yeah. sort of be quiz you play one. with
2: your kids where you have to yeah. answer the previous, the previous question, question. Yeah.
0: we'll hear the Norwegian FA next but let's see what they throw at.
2: <laughs> uh, so uh, that's basically brought you up to date with what happened at Congress today and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll talk more about that on the football show uh, the Republic of Ireland women's team have a huge game coming up in under two weeks now they're going to be in Gothenburg to play Sweden uh, Vera your named her squad Richie?
1: She has, yeah. London City Lionesses midfielder Lily Ag has been named in a Republic of Ireland squad for the first time. A 28-year-old midfielder. She is uh, qualifying to a Cork-born grandmother and among a panel of 27, summoned for that world could qualify her way to Sweden on April 12th. Vera Pau had to contend with a spate of injuries when naming this squad. It's quite a lengthy absentee list. Dan Caldwell, Savannah McCarthy, Nee Farley, Emily Whelan, Eva Colville and Saoirse Noonan are all going to miss the trip to Gothenburg.
2: Yeah, Savannah McCarthy out for considerable period with a bad knee injury who had started all the games so far on the left of that pack three Diane Caldwell would have been the natural replacement uh, is also missing so Vera Pau is either going to have to change tactics which I can't imagine or go further down the list and find somebody to step in alongside Niamh Fahi and Louise Quinn in the heart of the defence. It's a big squad maybe it's the opportunity that they're going to like. They, there's no real excuses for not performing against Sweden certainly to Ireland's level if like Sweden are one of if not the best team in the world right now so you can't go there expecting to win but they had the Pinnatar Cup Richie went out a couple of weeks together uh, I think they're going to get a good 10 days before the Sweden game which perhaps is why she has that squad of 27 for for just one match
1: Yeah we've seen in the past that having extended periods of time with which to work with the squads actually does work in their favour and Pau can implement the game plan and especially for a task as challenging as, as Sweden I mean we saw what they're capable of the last World Cup we've seen previously obviously in Tala what they're capable of and they're going to be uh, no easily toppling over in, in Gothenburg so the more time the Pau has to work with this squad the more time she has to assess the players that are available to her uh, the best plan of attack she can put forward for this game but again trying to concentrate on potentially winning a playoff uh, has got to be the, the priority in this one winning the games beyond that Sweden one
2: If you thought the Nations League was complicated Joe the uh, playoffs for the World Cup are unbelievably convoluted and we'll probably have to start thinking about them uh, over the next few weeks Katie McCabe going to be a key part of that Ireland side uh, playing tonight in the Champions League
1: she is yeah and uh, they need her in the last 18 minutes or so in Germany Arsenal are trailing Wolfsburg by a goal to nil tonight and the women's Super League side are now 2-1 down on aggregate Jill Verde has scored for Wolfsburg tonight to put that tie in their favour 2-1 as I say on aggregate at the moment 1-0 on the night later Juventus take a 2-1 first leg advantage away to the seven time champions Leon. that one kicks off at eight o'clock
2: message in from Jim and Dunboyne. I'm going to be boycotting this World Cup will not watch read or bet on the games I love football especially the gossip and the banter with the other fans but this is a bridge too far like the devil saying hell is cool this time of the year you'll feel better if you don't get involved will many people boycott the World Cup will many people say I am not going to watch this one of the most enjoyable months normally for sports fans every four years. Do you think many people, Joe, will say, actually, instead of calling on the players to do something, I'm, I'm going to do something even though it won't make any great difference in the grand scheme of things for my, just my own sense that I'm going to step away from this? Uh, no, of
0: course not. Like, uh, I mean, television figures will be record-breaking as they are every World Cup you know it's the reality it would make a hell of a difference if we all boycotted watching it I mean, but I mean good luck trying to coordinate and enforce that uh, you, you know so um, no I I, I I mean I commend Jim and everything but um, he'll be one of very 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 few I would think
2: and with John Myler coming up after 8 o'clock he's going to be looking ahead to the hurling final Cork-Waterford uh, 1998 the last time Cork won a mm-hmm. hurling league title uh, we also just touched on what's going on on the football side of things. His view is that, you know, the players should just go and play the game wherever they need to go and play the game. But it's a big night, Richie. For this, we we could well end up in that sort of Newbridge or nowhere standoff because it does seem as though that the Cork football management of players they ain't going to Killarney.
1: Yeah, Munster Council decision of course last night to uh, to stage that football semi-final in Killarney but the Cork players and officials are meeting this evening to discuss their options following that Munster Council decision the game originally said for Porky Quive, but of course the stadium won't be available, sure why would it and Porky Rin was then deemed unsuitable due to its capacity so it's off to Killarney for the moment anyway for this uh, football semi-final
2: What do you think Joe? How far should the Cork footballers and management push this?
0: Yeah, I don't know, uh, really. I mean, I've seen arguments made that even though this is just a horrendous prospect for Cork GA to have reached this uh, point, it would be one of the quickest ways out of debt. And therefore, that money could be, instead of paying off interest and and going towards the debt over the next number of years, could be ploughed into the improvement of games across the county. So, like, there is merit in that, you know, there is something to be said for that, I, like, um, the real issue here is obviously what a mess they got themselves into uh, with Porky Cueve. It, I don't know, it, it, it'd be interesting to see if the, um, what the mood in the dressing room is, if they are the ones really driving this, uh, to what extent the, the Cork County board will sit them down and say, look, this is why this would be really, really good if we could do this. This is the financial situation. Um, so, I, you know, I, I kind of well. There's a media ban at the moment, so it's hard to know what the mood is in the dressing room. Like you remember, with Newbridge or Nowhere, that was such a united group, and Keane O'Neill was doing an interview in the six-one, and it was clear that like county board and players and management were all aligned on that one. Whereas here, this is kind of a more interesting situation because you will have uh, people there in the room, be it officials or players, saying, "Yeah, look, this is obviously it's ridiculous that we're in this." Situation, but for the betterment of Cork over the next decade, you know, Ed coming and playing his songs uh, brings in a fair few quid and that gets us moving in well, the right direction. I, I don't know what your read is.
2: Well, as John Myler said, Cork needs Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran needs Cork and Cork needs Ed Sheeran to pay off right. the debt. The question is whether they can get it to Porky Rin or not. And there seems to be varying reports as to what sort of capacity they could have at Porky Rin and would it meet the demand. Now, part of you as a Corkler would say, whether it's nine and a half thousand, fifteen thousand, 15,000 Porky Wren, you're playing arguably the best team in the country right now. Mm. You know, Saturday night, red-hot atmosphere. Cork football isn't in a great place. This is our only real opportunity. Bring them into the lines then of beating them, rather than going down to Killarney, which I can't imagine Killarney's going to be full, half-full for Cork coming to town when Kerry have grander ambitions. Maybe it will, but money yeah. talks in this case and you can understand the Munster Council wanting to get as many people in as much revenue but if you're a Cork footballer your best chance of beating Kerry is playing it in Porky Rin in front of a full house of Cork supporters so at the same time you know if you're a Kerry player you're thinking these guys really don't want to come down here <laughs> these mm. guys really don't fancy this trip
0: mm. I mean there could be a thing as well they did it for the last couple of years as well was it for Munster Finals where there was work ongoing at one of the grounds where they played two in a row in one ground
1: and then two in a row the following year so in a sense they they're tried to doing this year kind of yeah. They're, gonna, yeah they're going to they're going to do two in a row in Porky Cueve after this year provided obviously that they do go to Fitzgerald Stadium for the same file oh are they
0: well then yeah. if they're going to do two in a row in Porky Cueve
1: next year maybe just get on with it then no? I would think so. The main, like, the main issue is, like I know you're saying, and John Myler was saying it there, and Cork said is that they need these gigs. They need the Ed Sheeran gigs. They have to surely find a way to be able to do both. I mean, and use the stadium for what it's actually used for. This is the value of one or the other.
2: Like that, I, I know Ed Sheeran has a touring schedule and can only come at certain times, but surely you have weeks of the year that you say, doesn't matter who's coming to town, you cannot have a gig at Porky Queeve that weekend.
1: Yeah, like it, it would make sense. It's a stadium that was built for GEA purposes um, and I know they have to get it out of debt quick and that debt is, is, is only accumulating and the depreciation on the place is only growing, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, especially judging by the figures that they released last year. But like, they have to actually play bloody games in it. And, and meaningful games in it, because that's, that's what's going to actually keep, a, be a more steady regular and revenue generator for it. Not the hope that Ed Sheeran or Bruce Springsteen or whomever is going to be coming every year or that somebody coming every year. need to use it for its actual purpose you need, and you need to use it preferably for those dual purposes. And then, then that's when you're swimming in cash yeah, uh, but not using one or the other. I presume they will get to that point though, but in this case, they just couldn't
0: say no you know, ultimately they will absolutely prioritise the GA, but not this year. I presume that I, I would hope, I mean, I doubt we're going to be in this situation in two and three and four years, but it seems like this year it's take the cash when the cash is on the go and, and that's where they are.
2: Yeah, if anything develops on that over the course of the evening between now and 10, uh, we'll let you know as soon as it happens. we got to leave it there for the news round. Richie, thank you as always. Cheers, Nathan. Joe, enjoy the weekend. Cheers, lads.